this evening I have the privilege of introducing a three-part series titled Reset, an opportunity to invite Jesus to reset our story in order to set us up to live out the lives which God has in mind for us. The way we tell our story uh, plays a vital role in determining how we step into the next chapter of our lives and the rest of the story. Have you ever experienced somebody retelling a story of something that you witnessed or experienced, but their recollection of events is totally different to what you remember? And you perhaps feel a little bit embarrassed for them or just con or, or convicted that you want to correct their story. So I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I recently got married and, okay, it's not going to get old. So my, my beautiful wife, Kelly Jo Collier, who is here this evening, she was obviously present on our wedding day. And so we experienced um, the same event, our wedding ceremony, and it was beautiful, the most wonderful day from family and friends coming down from across the country and around the world, family dinners in the lead up, breakfast on the morning with the extended family, and then uh, my groomsman, as my brother and one of my best mates, taking me out early to the venue, getting ready and getting to the venue, the, the flower girls walking down the aisle and then the bridesmaids and then Kelly Joe and the tears flowed and then um, the worship, Matt led worship and Vince shared such beautiful words. We had Pastor George and some friends lay hands on us and pray over us. It was just so wonderful. Um, we got to recite our vows, the tears flowed again and then we kissed and we were pronounced husband and wife. And then we took loads of photos and we ate lots of food and we cried through the speeches. I did a lot of crying. And then, um, and then we danced the night away and it was just perfect. But for a while on that day, uh, there was one thing during the ceremony that really I could not shake and it threatened to steal the joy of the wedding ceremony. So during the actual ceremony, I could not stop sweating. It was unbelievably uncomfortable. I'm sorry if talking about sweat grosses you out. And I generally love a good sweat. After a run or while I'm running, it makes me feel like I've worked hard and I've earned my dinner and I've like, you know, I've, I, I can eat what I want because I've now worked hard. But not during my wedding ceremony. I just wanted to be normal. And the air cons were on, but it is as if they made no difference whatsoever to whatsoever. And I was fidgeting because it felt like my suit was wearing me rather than me wearing the suit. And I was very uncomfortable. I was wiping my head with my handkerchief. And I was sort of praying as much that I would stop sweating as I was for our marriage that we were about to enter into. And I was worried that I would land up like a cartoon character in a pool of water of my own sweat. And eventually my wife, who is a medical doctor, turned to me and was like, are you going to be okay? Like she thought I was about to faint or pass out. And, you know, the first thing I said to her at the end of the ceremony was not, oh, hello, my wife. That was so wonderful. I'm so grateful um, for our wedding ceremony. It was so beautiful. It, it, it was a complaint. It was, I'm sweating so much and I'm so uncomfortable. And um, I, I, it was almost like a self-conscious check. Like, can everybody see how much I'm sweating? Has my suit changed color? I was very, very uncomfortable during the ceremony. And thankfully, my wife could tell me, no, nobody else really noticed how much you were sweating. But also, can you snap out of it? 
Like, we've just got married. This is the most wonderful moment of our lives. And you're worrying about sweating. You see, we had experienced the same event, but our recollection of the event was very different. And thankfully, I did snap out of it, and I managed to take stock of the beauty of the moment, and I relive with gratitude the words spoken by Vince and the songs sung, sung together and the prayers prayed over us. And the way I tell the story now is with immense gratitude and thanksgiving and joy, rather than a miserable complaint about the amount I was sweating. But Joshua and Caleb had a similar experience to Kitty Joe of somebody retelling a story of something that happened while they were present, but their recollection of the events was very different. After being sent into the promised land by Moses, um, Joseph, Joshua sorry, and Caleb, along with the 10 other spies, the report comes back to Moses and the people that the land is indeed good, flowing with milk and honey, and very fruitful. But the other 10 spies said, the people there are powerful, the cities are large and fortified. In fact, the people there are giants, they said, and we're like grasshoppers, and we're going to get absolutely destroyed if we go there. So even though God has rescued us out of Israel, I mean, out of Egypt, and He's provided for us in the wilderness, we definitely shouldn't go into the promised land that He has promised us because we'll get destroyed. And Joshua and Caleb are like, whoa, you guys have got this all wrong. Caleb, in fact, interjects. He's like, um, Guys, you've got this all wrong. The scripture's like, Caleb interjects. It's almost as if it's a bit of a, like, the the author is like, uh, bizarre uh, how poor the spies are reporting this incident. And so the people just carry on. They're saying, no, we're going to believe this negative report. It's terrible. We should not go up. And they're grumbling about why did God even rescue us from slavery in in the first place? We'll get killed if we go into the promised land. We should just go back to Egypt. It'll be better. And then Joshua and Caleb tear their clothes. They're like, no, guys, you've got this all wrong. Your recollection of events is all wrong. It's amazing how different people can experience the same event, but have completely different recollections of the story. Whether it's my wife and I telling different stories about our wedding ceremony, or whether it's Joshua and Caleb telling different stories to the 10 spies of the land that they went to scout, I think we often find ourselves describing the stories of our lives, both the past and what lies ahead in the future, in the way that I risked describing my wedding ceremony and the way the 10 spies described their scouting of the promised land, when filled with grumbling and moaning, with fear of the future, and in a way that leaves leaves us defeated in our hearts and minds before we've even stepped into the inheritance that God has for our lives. I think that the way Joshua and Caleb felt when they tore their clothes at hearing the poor perspective of the other 10 spies is perhaps often how God feels when he hears us recalling the stories of our lives with our perhaps poisoned perspectives. Joshua and Caleb had great confidence that the God who rescued them out of slavery in Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm would carry them into the fullness of the inheritance that he promised for them. I now have immense gratitude for the way the Lord blessed our wedding ceremony, giving me confidence of his blessing and favor over our married life as we step into it together. God has a purpose and a plan for each of our lives, and he invites us to allow him 
to reset the way we tell our story in order to give us confidence to boldly step into the future inheritance which he has in store for us. Joshua and Caleb, because they could give an accurate account of what God had done for them, their story, the past, present and future, they set themselves up to triumphantly lead the people into the promised inheritance that God had for them. Those who did not accurately retell their story who forgot very quickly how far God had brought them and how he had provided for them throughout their lives. And they were overwhelmed by the size of their giants, forgetting quickly the size of their God, spent the rest of their lives wandering aimlessly through a wilderness, free from slavery, but imprisoned from their inheritance because of their own poison perspective. We need to determine who we are allowing to be the author of our story and how we are telling our story for it influences the way that we step into the future chapters. Like the 10 spies, is there some form of insecurity that we are carrying in the way that we tell our story? Is it our own internal critic, perhaps insecure and afraid of what what others may think? Is it someone who once told us that we weren't good enough or perhaps wouldn't amount to anything? Or like Joshua and Caleb, are we allowing God to define our identity? and set our story? Does the author of life, the one who sets out our lives before us and has the power to reset our story, does he have permission to be the one telling our story or better yet, be the one telling his story through us? How we tell our story, what parts we include and exclude, what parts we hide or highlight and who we allow to author it is vitally important because it sets us up for the next chapter and the future chapters of our story. If in our story we're the victim of chance and circumstance of somebody else's will and decisions, then the next chapter that is written is largely going to be the same, where we're powerless to its story. The ten ten spies actually got what they wished for. They never entered the inheritance that God had in store for them. The way they told their story almost became a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if God is the author and the lens through which we tell the story is the cross and the empty grave, then the next chapter will be adventurously expectant, written by God and lived with life and life in all its fullness. Joshua and Caleb allowed God to be the author of their story. They recalled their story with boldness and confidence. And so they lived out life and life in all its fullness in the inheritance which God had in store for them. We do, however, have moments in our lives, and perhaps you're currently in one of those, when no matter how hard you try, we just can't find a positive angle on our story. In the book of Ruth, we meet a lady named Naomi. Naomi, her husband and their two sons, left their home of Bethlehem because of a famine and went down into a foreign and unfamiliar land. Sadly, in the 10 years that they were in that country, Naomi's husband and her two sons passed away. So she decided that she would leave her widowed daughter's daughters-in-law and head back home because the famine had ended. But famously, one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, uh, remained faithful to her and said, I'm going back with you. And upon their return to Bethlehem, the people were excited to see them and they exclaimed, can this be Naomi? But Naomi said to them to not call her Naomi, which means pleasant, but to call her Mara, which means bitter, because she said that the Lord had made her life very bitter that she went away full, but she has come back empty. And perhaps like Naomi, you've experienced some form of trauma or some form of loss that leaves you feeling bitter. 
telling the story of a life that was once full but is now empty. A life of affliction and misfortune. A life that breaks your heart. And God's heart breaks for our pain and He is moved with compassion and love and justice. And later on we read that Naomi's daughter-in-law, who was honoured for her faithfulness to Naomi, marries and gives birth to a son. And the woman who Naomi told to call her Mara, meaning bitter, say to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a redeemer. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. And the woman said, Naomi has a son. Naomi's story shows us how God can take our bitter waters and make them sweet again. Not only did Naomi have a daughter-in-law who loved her and was better to her than seven sons, but she gained another son, a future, an inheritance. And this was not any ordinary inheritance, but this son formed part of the family line of King David and ultimately of Jesus Christ. Naomi allowed God to reset her story and author a new story. And this allowed the chapters of her life that followed to be full of life and an, an eternal inheritance. So how can we, like Naomi and Joshua and Caleb before her, allow God to reset our story and allow Him to tell a new story for us? Romans 8 puts it this way. It says, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you have received from God is not a timid grave tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Dad? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. This scripture tells us that through Jesus, we have newness of life. Jesus offers to reset our story through the cross and the empty grave. And he invites us to accept a change in identity from sinner to son, from victim to victor, from not good enough to more than a conqueror. Our past stories of bitterness are buried with Christ and new stories of sweetness are brought to life through our participation with his resurrection. And this life, this new life in God is adventurously expectant with things to do and places to go, an unbelievable inheritance. A life rooted in a reset story. It's a, re, a renewed identity as children of God. Like Joshua and Caleb, God resets our story from captives in slavery to conquerors in the inheritance which God has promised for us. Like Naomi, God resets our story from bitter and broken to blessed and beautiful. So I'd like to give us four things to consider as we allow God to reset our story and change our identity and therefore the trajectory of our lives. Firstly, we need to invite God to open our eyes. The 10 spies who went with Joshua and Caleb were so fixated on the size of their giants against them that they failed to open their eyes and measure the size of the God with them. Joshua and Caleb, however, had opened their eyes. And they could see the that the opportunities that lay before them far outweighed the obstacles that needed to be overcome. 
the spies had gone into their promised inheritance, telling their story from a position of lack and of scarcity and of defeat, blind to the way that God had faithfully provided for them throughout their lives. Joshua and Caleb's eyes, however, had been opened to see how God had faithfully brought them out of Egypt and provided for them in the wilderness and how they were confident that God would continue to provide for them in the promised land. When I was so consumed by the amount that I was sweating in my wedding ceremony, I was blind to the beauty of the blessing happening right in front of me. It took my eyes to be opened to see that the prayers I prayed all my life were being fulfilled right in front of me. And I was almost too preoccupied with my problems to see the promises of God. Second Kings 6 says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We are not surrounded by so great an army of opposition that we need to feel defeated and overwhelmed and unable to move forward with our lives. God is for you and not against you. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His plans for us are far greater than we can even comprehend. Plans to give us hope and a future. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Paul writes that, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be opened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. So may we open our eyes to see that God is for us. Secondly, we need to invite Jesus to reset our story. Naomi came back to Bethlehem believing that God had reset her story for the worse, that she had gone from pleasant to bitter, from full to empty, from blessed to afflicted. However, even though it seemed like her story was one of misfortune, she allowed God to reset her story, bringing sweetness where there was bitterness, bringing blessing, a future and a hope. Naomi's story was not the first time we read in Scripture of a place being renamed Mara. Exodus 15 says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. The same remedy Moses used for the bitter waters of Marah, we use for the bitter waters of our hearts. There is a certain piece of wood, a tree at Calvary, that tree on which the Savior hung, the cross. We take that tree, and like Moses, we put it into the bitter waters of our hearts, and That sweet cross applied with the love of the Father will transform our hearts and make it sweet again. Jesus in the heart is our sweet purification. I mentioned earlier that I recently got married and um, there was a time before Kelly Jo when I risked my heart growing bitter. I was officiating weddings of friends and members of our church. 
And all the while wondering when the Lord was going to answer my prayers. We have seen now that it is the cross that makes our hearts sweet again. And so I think it is appropriate to share that during lockdown, when we were doing our communion drive-throughs, a remembrance of Christ's body broken and blood shed on the cross, that conversations were sparked between myself and Kelly Joe as I served her communion, and that the remembrance of the cross applied to our hearts brought something sweet and something beautiful. <laughs> Jesus said that he came to proclaim good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and sight for the blind and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and comfort for all who mourn and to bestow on those who grieve a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus came to reset our story, to turn our lives from bitter to sweet, to take the weight of our guilt and our shame, our brokenness and our pain upon himself in order that he might reset our story. And not only does Jesus cover for our past, but like Naomi, he gives us a future inheritance. Jesus took the brokenness of our world and the stories we have tried to write ourselves and offers us a new story. He said on the cross, it is finished. The old is gone. The cross has paid the price in full. And scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So we, we invite Jesus to reset our story and turn our lives from bitter to sweet. Thirdly, we need to review our crew. Who we surround ourselves with matters. It's interesting that those who surrounded themselves with the 10 spies with the negative report never entered the inheritance which God had in store for them. The story you tell of your life and the story that is to be written is influenced, influenced by those that you put around you. Proverbs tells us to surround ourselves with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And Paul says that we should not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We ought to review our crew because it determines the way we tell our story and how we then step into our future inheritance. Joshua and Caleb were support to each other and they encouraged one another as they led Israel into the promised land. Jonathan helped David strengthen himself in the Lord. And even Naomi required the woman around her to point out that she is no longer needing to be bitter, but that the Lord has blessed her indeed. Hebrews 10 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. With it being Mother's Day, it would be remiss of me not to tell a story of my own dearest mother. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you very much. It's a special day for our family as my brother's second child got dedicated this morning with our child dedications. And I cried through the dedications. I'm a crier if you hadn't noticed. But the, the people you surround yourself with will influence your character. My mom is incredibly loving and generous and I'm eternally grateful for her. She will give everything of herself for others and she will be the first there when you are in need and the last to leave. But she will not let you stay stuck in your brokenness. She will not leave until you have reset your story. You'll get empathy from my mom, but not a lot of sympathy. And I'm grateful for that. Having my mom surround me throughout my life has meant that I've never been able to go very long feeling sorry for myself. 
I could not be bitter like Naomi or overwhelmed like the servant of Elisha or bringing back a negative report like the 10 spies. My mom would pull me right very quickly, remind me of all the things I have to be grateful for and point me to the Lord. She certainly lives out the scripture of spurring one another on toward love and good deeds, encouraging one another. And so I think it is important that we review our crew because it determines the way we tell our story and the way we tell our story determines the way we step into whatever future God has in store for us. And finally, we need to behold our blessing. It took an opening of my eyes, a resetting of the story I was telling myself because of the help of somebody that I had surrounded myself with so that I could behold the blessing of my wedding day. And sometimes it takes an opening of our eyes to see that God is for us and not against us. Jesus resetting our story from bitter to sweet and those around us um, reminding us of the goodness of God so that we can behold the blessing of God in our lives. Acts chapter 2 says, Repent, which is to reset your story, and be baptized, which is to open your eyes, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, your blessing. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The receiving of the Holy Spirit is the ultimate blessing. As this is the very presence of God, the same Spirit that hovered over the depth, the deeps and brought order out of chaos in the beginning of creation. The same Spirit that led Israel through the wilderness. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the grave. That Spirit dwells also within us and confirms that we are the children of God. The blessing of God's very presence by His Spirit is a confirmation of a complete change of our story and our identity and a confirmation of an inheritance that is eternal. The way we tell our story is, in, is important as it has a bearing on how we step into whatever future God has in store for us. Today, we have the opportunity to open our eyes to see that God is for us, to invite Jesus to reset our story from turning our lives from bitter to sweet, bringing beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, and praise where there was once despair. When we do that, we can behold the blessing of God in our lives and the work of His Spirit within us and boldly step into the inheritance which He has prepared in advance for us. Isaiah 43 says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Tell the story of the work that God is doing in and through you for His glory. Church, if you're able to, will you please stand with me as we close in prayer? As we close, there will be personal prayer available up front for you after the service and communion on either side. There is coffee and pancakes for sale. And if you're new or visiting us, you can join us for a complimentary cup of coffee at entrance three, my left, your right. And starting point also happening. But um, before we get into the coffee and the rest of the evening, will you please close your eyes as we close in prayer? Father, we are so grateful that you are for us and not against us. We thank you that as we look back on the story of our lives, we can see your faithful hand evident through it all. Jesus, we thank you that where we are hurting or where we have gone astray, where there is bitterness, you turn bitter things to sweet because of your cross and the empty grave. Thank you that we have confidence that anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
And so, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see that you are for us and that you are good. Jesus, would we allow you to reset the way we tell our story and confirm that we are indeed the children of God. Would you grant us wisdom to surround ourselves with those who would encourage us in the Lord and then be an encouragement to others to help them step into the future inheritance that they have in store. And Father, we pray that we would behold your presence in and through our lives and give thanks to you in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' wonderful, perfect and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this evening, church. Thank you.